Welcome to the Armada Podcast with your host, Kalorn. There's only one right answer here, and that is Fook spiders. I hate these things, okay? They freak me out. Like, if they crawl on you, they've got all the little legs that dig into your skin. Fox Omega. If you're doing one damage 15 times, screw the other person's defense tokens. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to matter. And Juliet Whiskey. <laughs> he just popped out. He popped out a unicorn. He just said, oh, Lord, said the dice application plan. And now, the Armada Podcast. Welcome back to the Armada Podcast. And we are on episode 27. Like, how do y'all feel about that? We are 27 deep. No statements. I, I I thought about it at 25, and now we're just kind of moved on past that. And, you know, it is what it is at this point. It is disgusting. 20, 27 we, is one of those birthdays that you don't really celebrate. Like, you just kind of forget about it, you know? Not till yeah, 30. Yeah, but we kind of we – di- we didn't do the 25. We didn't do the 21. We didn't do 18, 16. Like, we didn't do any of the major numbers, so we do have to bring it up. Anyways, <laughs> let us get right into it. We will be doing the Becker interview how are you doing becker you i'm doing great good? i'm excited to be here thanks for having me i'm a big fan awesome it's wonderful having you i know it's a little bit awkward a little bit off kilter i'm not exactly in my uh warm fuzzy slippers right now we'll also be covering the vassal world cup especially the numbers they're a little bit wonky a little bit interesting some major ssd discussions and last but not least my favorite section of all hot take 30 so gentlemen how have y'all been we haven't i haven't seen y'all in two weeks but the uh, last podcast went swimmingly so but how have y'all been for the past week or so not been too bad it's just been very busy work-wise for me so the uh it's nice to sit here and relax a little bit tonight that's wonderful wonderful fox how, just how, t- how, how has been the uh, uk drill the uk oh dude the uk drill is freaking sweet dude freaking he's a mad lad I am I am so far down this rabbit hole of of UK drill. I was telling whiskey about this uh, earlier this week, and I don't know how to get myself out of it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Indeed, we will see. And Becker, how has your week been? It's great. Um, made it out of the uh, pod phase of the Vassar World Cup, so just uh, just excited to keep going with this tournament. That is awesome. And with that, we will jump over to I feel like I'm like coming in super calm. Like strangely calm. I don't like it. You were just yelling. Yeah, but I, it doesn't feel like I was yelling. Like I'm not at the normal octave. We're gonna jump over to Fox, the right hand of God, uh the mad lad himself. <laughs> Omega. Yes. Well, Becker, welcome to the podcast. We have a traditional uh, podcast interview that we like to do. Oh, also, I need to mention, um, you are a part of another podcast. Can you go ahead and plug that real quick before we jump into your interview? Yeah. Uh, that podcast doesn't exist. We're the no, only we, one. What? We, we build each other up. It's a, it's a you know. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm just uh, going to it. <laughs> it's Command Stack. Yeah, we can, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Uh, Spotify, Google. Uh, Google Pod, pretty much anywhere. Um, so just check it out. Uh, we we always appreciate it. Nice, yeah. Love more Armada content, honestly. 
So we're excited to have you on here as one of the three Superstar Destroyer players to advance into the Swiss phase of the Vassal World Cup. We wanted to bring you on and talk about some of that stuff. But first, we have to do the interview. So question number one, Becker, how long have you been playing Armada? So I got into Armada um, coming out of X-Wing, but I was just a brief X-Wing player. I was only in X-Wing for like two months. And then I brought all this stuff. I was really into it. I probably forked over too much money. And within like two months, X-Wing 2.0 came out. And I was just like, I was like, I'm going to need to get all new ships, all new dials. And, and it just kind of put me off the wrong way. And so I looked over at some other people at my local game store and um, they were playing this other game. I was like, what's that? And so I wandered over and saw that they were playing Armada. And so that was about the, right after like the flotilla nerf happened. So I never had to worry about, um, you know, eight flotillas on the table and 10 tie bombers or, you know, any of that, you know, kind of foolishness. I got in kind of like at a good time right after the flotilla nerf and Reekin. And, and so I got into like a really healthy uh, phase of the game. Perfect. That is the around the, the same time I got into the game as well. So yeah, it sounds like from the stories that we've heard you and I, that we dodged a, a huge bullet. <laughs> we came in at the exact yeah, right like, time. <laughs> I've never played against Fish Farm, right? Like I, I've just heard that like made people almost quit. Like it was such a bad experience. So um, I've never had to play against that or Reekin, you know, the real Reekin aces where you could just pass damage around and, you know, nothing would ever die. I've never played against any of that. Awful. Yeah, it's Question. absolutely awful. Yeah. Question. What's Fish Farm? Fish Farm is what they used to call, so now there's a more modern version of it, but you would take Akbar, uh, the commander, and you would have a big MC-80 home one that could just shoot so much dice out the side, and basically you would fly only three objectives, uh, advanced gunnery, sensor net, and fire lanes, and all of those objectives either your opponent either you're allowing your opponent to shoot out their side with just a ludicrous amount of dice and you have no way to approach them because the side arc is just stupid huge or you let them farm and farm and farm and farm and farm and it would get worse and worse uh the more flotillas you had or the more like additional small ships you had it was basically this archetype that like you just it was borderline impossible to approach and so it's it frustrated frustrated a lot of people for a long time so it still exists uh, in the the modern uh grandchild of it would be the farm hawk that uh co-host Kellorn abused to the nth degree uh but yeah it still exists i don't know about the nth degree but i did abuse it i mean n could be any integer fair fair this is hard because i got like two different mutes i gotta manage so i started talking and i realized i was talking to stream only and not y'all so yeah my so bad. Fox, we kind of came in like around two ship time is that is that when you came in that's yeah just before that yeah was when i was when yeah. i came in yep so the release of the of quasar and the chimera like that like in that realm was when i started playing the game so um yeah, two ship was also yeah. There were so many de- like meta defining fleets. I feel like nowadays there aren't, especially when you look through all the fleets that are in the Vassal World Cup right now. Succeeding, 
it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's doing super well. I mean, there's one commander that's doing super, super well, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But um, one particular fleet archetype, it's hard to pin down. So cool time to be a part of Armada. Definitely. Becker, we got to move on to the next question. What would you say is your play style? So I, I think the I, I'm anti-meta is is kind of my play style. Like, and I mean by that I mean I like to find things that I think Armchair Jedi kind of like talked about this a little bit too. And in, in your guys' pod last week is it's like I like to find things that people think are bad, or and, and try to make them work. And it's it can be kind of frustrating sometimes. But like when I find success in you know, uh, it's it's really gratifying, and so like I remember, um, like I, I flew in the old days before one point five. I flew Kraken, and I tried to make Kraken work for a long, long time. Um, but then when they made Kraken good again, uh, finally with the one point five changes, I just kind of stopped flying them. Um, and so Schmidty, I think, went at one point <clears throat> said something like, "The armored cruiser is like the worst rebel ship," and I was like, you know what? It's not that bad when you look at it. It's got a lot of good upgrade slots. Like, let me see if I can do something with it. And so I, you know, naturally fit, fit it into kind of Radis and try to make that work. And, um, like, I think that my absolute highlight of, like, anti-meta style is Han Solo. Is is I have a strong affinity for Han Solo, um, mainly because so many people love Lando. And I was just like, I really, I just can't get along with Lando. Lando's is not working for me. Let me try to try the other guy. And I've just fallen in love with him, and I and then I think he's like I think he's certainly underrated, and I'll just you know uh, kind of a kind of kind of a good squadron. So I like to find things that um, people people are have have issues with, and kind of like going to their SSD. Like the command SSD is one of those types of things that I tried to make work. Agreed. Yeah, that's it. It it's that aspect to learning the game or exploring different aspects of the game it really intrigues me as well uh it's the whole reason why i went down the dooku route it's the whole reason now why i'm doing separatist squads in the current squad environment you know people would say you'd be crazy to take vultures in an environment where you have delta anakin floating around and all that jazz um it i enjoy pushing those limits and it's a really fun and when, and when like you were like you were saying whenever you you nail it or you make it stick like it's just a really cool feeling to be like yeah like i'm figuring this out right now you yeah, know it's it's also like a competitive advantage too like if you find the card that doesn't like over at gen con i flew overload pulse um and i'm I, and i made that work and it's not nothing new really like people put it on a cr90b before but you know no one's doing it right now, at least. And so um, it really surprised a bunch of people and, and, it, and it was kind of uh, really devastating. And so I, I like finding those and it can serve your game well, too, if, if you play a lesser played card. You know, it just, it just tends to surprise people. Yep, for sure. All right, last question. If you could give advice to the you starting the game, what would it be? So I got two. Um, I'll be real quick with one because Armchair Jedi kind of said it last week too. Is like just just be okay with losing, you know. Like it, it's okay to lose and 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 be okay with that. Like you're you're new to the game, you know. Don't worry about the outcome on the first fifty games, you know. Just just kind of be okay with losing. Um, and then 
The second one is more of a tactical point that it took me probably like two years to finally figure out. You know, fl- fly your ships together. Um, you know, really concentrate your firepower. I would always, I started out the game, you know, flanking a CR-90 way out wide, and it wouldn't even come in, you know, to the action until turn five or something, way after the battle was already decided. And so, like, with Armada, you're not going to have these, like, wide flanking, you know, uh, Battle of Canine-type, you know, maneuvers. You're, you, it's just, try to keep your, all your ships together, keep the firepower together and, and maneuver. Don't, don't try to go for these wide flanking maneuvers that I, that I fell for and, and uh, suffered through for, for quite a long time before I finally figured it out. Excellent advice. Yeah. There's something to be said about sealing a flank. And I feel like some people take that and they kind of move it to an extreme. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to exist in the flank. Like this is my home now. And the, it's not until round three that they go, oh, I'm all the way over here and like literally not contributing anything at all. So yeah, it's more important if like being on a flank is great because what you're doing is the opposite of what you just described. Like you're isolating a certain part of their fleet. So all of their guns can't be on point at the same time. So yeah, it's a balance and f- finding that balance is a big part of getting getting good at at armada for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not against flanking. It's it's you know, it's it's to have some fleet cohesion to it, you know. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, let's move into Vassal World Cup coverage. We have a lot of news to cover. The Swiss phase began today. The pods are all cleaned up. I have a couple things I wanted to hit on because some really cool things happened uh, there at the end with the pods. But uh, then I want to move into and have a discussion about what we saw in these fleets that came out and uh, came out of the pod phase and now is uh, performing in Swiss. So uh, three three players in particular I want to highlight because we talked about them last week and really, really cool things happened. One, disappointing, but two, uh, really epic games happened last week. Uh, in, let me, let me find it real quick. In Pod Amity, we were talking about how Paul was at 20 points and Rest Proteus was at 19. Real Neil 99 and Riem both needed to play their last game and Riem needed an, uh, eight tournament points in his game. But in reality, he needed like 207 MOV or something along those lines. And so he actually needed a nine to to pass up uh, Ras Proteus. Well, guess what happened? The Mad Lad got a nine. And so Riem advanced into pod phase, or advanced into Swiss phase, out of pods, left Ras Proteus. Ras Proteus was the highest scoring player in pod phase without advancing into Swiss. Really sad, uh, excellent player, but a really epic entry for Riem. So it's it's hard to not celebrate uh, Riem's success there. Um, next up, GM Thrawn. We talked about how he had the capacity to move on uh, in, in Pod Sovereign. JJ Juggernaut was already at 28 tournament points. Grand Moff Vache, we learned how to say that properly last week, uh, Grand Moff Cowboy was at 17 points and 373 MOV. 
GM Thrawn was at seven points and zero or at and uh and yeah, zero MOV. And so he needed a 10, a 10 1 against Admiral J and at least 374 MOV. And he got the 10 1, but it was only 306 MOV. So he just missed out. But what an effort to try to get it done. Like they knew what needed to happen and just couldn't get enough. It's so hard now, nowadays with fleets to get like that full 400 MOV. So. Uh, props to GM Thrawn. It was just short of getting it done. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to cover, Pod Insidious. Uh, Kellorn, this was the pod that you've been watching and said that you were most excited about. And I mean, this is wild, the way that this ended up. Because we talked about there were three different ways that this pod could end up. If HM got a nine or more, if Broba got an eight or more, or if the game was close enough, uh, Machi would go. There ended up, HM ended up getting the nine he needed. But when you look in this pod, it's 18 points, 18 points, 18 points, and then Broba at 12. Like, I think this is the closest pod, like as far as all participants are concerned. Like, I, I might be mistaken, but like, absolutely incredible finish. HM was flying Grievous and squeaked out. Uh, exactly what he needed to move on. Really, really cool to see uh, that kind of finish. So, um, but now pods are cleaned up. Everybody has been decided as far as who's moving into Swiss. Uh, Kellorn, you advanced. Uh, Becker, you advanced. I advanced out of my pod after playing Truthy last week. And I want to talk about for a second this faction breakdown as far as all of the entrance into Swiss and then everybody who signed up for the Vassal World Cup. So real quick, out of 25 Imperials, 12 advanced. Out of 29 Rebels, 11 advanced. Out of 15 Galactic Republic, 6 advanced. And out of 15 Separatists, 13 of them advanced. How do, I got, I got, about, how do we feel about this differential? I got two statements. One, Go ahead. sis, uh, impressed. That's a very high percentage of people who entered with it actually making it to it. And two, say Garbage's name right. You, you Gar- Garbage. Well, Garbage performed like Garbage is what I'm trying to yes, say. Yes, they did. Like. God dang, can we get a 50 per- Like, I just want 50%. Like, is that too much to ask? No, is 50%? <laughs> no one got to 50% except for Separatists. That is crazy to me. That's so, so crazy. Four y'all's. <laughs> Kellorn, how do you feel about this? I, I was really surprised that CIS was managed to, to, to get that high of a percentage in. I mean, we've seen, you know, kind of this, um, you know, like more like about little you know more than half the field is uh imperials and rebels and then like you've got like a third of it's that's split into gar and cs at a bunch of the the kind of the top tournaments and then you see cis come in here and be like no we're going to be like a full third of the field uh for swiss uh, after the cut and it's like okay well where did that come from and you know i'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about it but i mean the prevalence of martuk 
and how he kind of dominated this pod phase. I, this is where we talked about a little bit about last week about whether or not what we were seeing out of the, the CIS faction was going to be indicative of it being from the pod phase and the way that the pod phase mechanics work, or if we're going to see CIS continue to dominate in the the you know the the Swiss phase and in the need of the elimination phase. And I'm I'm here to see it. I mean, you know, I, I fully admit that I have bagged on Martuk endlessly and I really don't like him as a commander. But you know, I mean I, I I'm open to being proved wrong. So I, I just gotta make one statement before we go over to Becker. I, I feel like I feel like I said something concerning this was gonna be CIS's uh coming out party. I feel like I did say something like that at the beginning of this. Yeah, I think I think I remember that. You said it about Gar and Sis that you thought that one of them would would uh No, actually he's up. right. He he was not uh high on Gar. I was the one that was high on Gar and man, I uh, uh that didn't age Oof. well. Oof. I just I keep telling y'all the, the Gar while it's tanky, it just doesn't have that it doesn't have that win mechanic with it right now. And that's kind of the biggest problem with Gar, and that's how I always feel with Gar, is there's just not that win mechanic. While CIS, on the other hand, it's options for days. You have way too many options to get any of the three win conditions. I'll say this. I mean, I got... Gar did get the top seed, essentially, right? They're the highest scoring fleet, so... Uh, and, I, and by a fleet that tabled me. So, um, I think... I think they're, they're, they're fine, but the CIS... Uh, is very uh, that's an interesting point becker because uh, when you look at the you know the cis fleets you know the, uh, there's a, a pretty heavy prevalence of them being in kind of the the bottom half of the of the you know swiss entrance but then you look at the people that are in gar and i mean there's some really high scoring gar players yeah i mean they might they might overperform here i mean not overperform but like just just i guess keep an eye on them i mean we're all going to keep an eye on them but they're, the firepower that came from Geek's fleet really surprised me, um, and it was it was a really well made fleet. And I don't know all the other Gar fleets that that are in the Swiss phase that well, um, but Gar's got some tricks left over for this for sure. I think the one yes, thing. Our, go ahead. I think the one whiskey. Are you vacuuming? What's going on, dude? Uh, my uh, vent just got turned on, so I'm gonna have to just remain like <laughs> muted. And yeah, this is trust me, this is awkward up. as it is for me. <laughs> like, all right, he's cleaning up his house while he's doing the podcast. Hey um, man, chore, chores never stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think the crazy thing for me is, and I, I said this in the Discord earlier, earlier maybe today, but uh, the the thing that stands out to me is it's not just Martuk that did well. All 13 of these separatist fleets that advanced look so different. They look so different. Um, like we have, we have myself who's flying over 120 points in squads. We've got Saska who's doing a hundred points in squads, but doing double rec. We have Horngrim who's doing double rec and hardly any squads. We, we got, um, we have invisible hand that made it into Swiss. Like there's, there's just so much going on and that's the cool part. And the thing that I'm excited about is it's not just, um, it's not just that separatists or Martuk or like that standard recusant Muni Muni 
makeup is is doing so super well. It's like whatever Separatists brought right now is just doing very well. And so that tells me it has more to do with the players and how much they've been pushing the bounds with uh, Separatist fleet building. Even though a lot of them are just still Martuk, uh, it, it's a really exciting thing to see. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'm excited to see how this progresses. Hopefully they don't eat each other alive in Swiss. That's the one thing I'm worried about when you have that many, you know. Yeah, I, I think it also speaks, you know, you're talking about the diversity of the commanders. I, I think it also speaks to the strength of the chassis for each of the ships. You know, like, they're all really solid ships. Every single ship in, in the faction has a role to play. And, you know, whether it's the Muni, the Heart Cell, the Gazani, the you know, Rekison or even the Providence that was nice to see people bringing and performing well in. They're all solid ships in their roles. And I think people to your player skill point have figured out the roles of those ships and are are maximizing that potential. Speaking of, speaking of uh, different commander representation, a, a cool stat that I wanted to point out, there are 18 different commanders in Swiss. 18. There are 36 total in the game. That is wild to me that almost half of all available commanders have, are are competitively viable, right? Like that just that's a crazy stat to me. That's good to see. I mean, it's the sign of a good healthy game when you're getting that kind of diversity of commanders, diversity of factions, a lot of different play styles. Well, do you know what last year was by any chance that the I know we have more players I think on this cut than last year. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't. I can I can run and look real quick. That actually, be... while he goes and runs and looks, back to garbage. <laughs> Whiskey minute. Back to garbage. Look, I, I get that they are going to be a top performing fleet. Always, they're, they're, to me, they will always be a top performing pl- fleet. But I want really question once people start figuring out how to get around that tankiness if they're going to be able to bring it home. That's really always been my main concern with Gar as a whole. Becker, you got oh, your hands sorry. raised. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Gar's Gar as as much as like CIS has like the good ship chassis, like Gar does not, uh, in a sense. So, you know, other than maybe the the Pelt as a kind of premier, um, you know, small ship. Um, so yeah, they. It's hard mode, you know, whiskey, like I feel like gar- garbage, but like that, that makes it even more fun when you, when you can win with Gar in, in my mind. All right. I'm back from my intense research. Um, 21, there were 21 commanders last year, which sounds like the uniqueness has gone down, but what's the, re- the reality is the uniqueness has shifted factions. Um, there were, uh, hardly almost every single commander for the empire was taken into Swiss, except for Vader and Tarkin and Constantine and Piet. So only four were left out from the Imperials. Whereas um, half of the separatist commanders didn't show up and more than half of the, of the rebel commanders didn't show up. So it, it seems like that number is a whole lot larger, but really what happened is, the faction popularity has shifted, which is awesome to see. I do like. I, I guess one like, thing that 
that stood out to me was just that, like, we, the biggest thing that here that kind of caught my eye, and it, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, is just that we're we had kind of gotten into. I don't want to say a rut, but we had gotten into kind of a familiarity of what people were taking, what people were bringing. And all of that got broken. I mean, we saw the rise of some truly new fleets that we had not seen, you know, going, uh, you know, uh, ahead with lately. And some of them have done extremely well. I mean, uh, Plusian's fleet, uh, and, and some of the other people that are running a bunch of Peltas and whatnot, they've been doing extraordinarily well. And it's like, okay, well, where did that come from? And it's it's all new, and it's it's going to be here to stay for Worlds. Well, we have, now, now that we've got all of the Swiss matchups, what are, uh, hopefully everybody's taking a peek at them, what are some matchups that stand out to you guys that are going to be exciting to watch or potentially... Um, journey defining for these players i'll go first uh becker actually your game is a big highlight because there is and we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show is there is a potential (laughs) to swing wildly one way or the other the the fact that your fleet is just so much beef and is a tall order to ask for for fleets to just totally table. And the fact that Aresius hasn't lost in Swiss phase in the Vessel World Cup in more than two years. I mean, this is a game that will that, that could wildly determine both the all's trajectory in the Swiss phase. And I'm super excited to see how that goes. Yeah. Well, I got some breaking news for you. All right. I'm gonna I am gonna take I have the bid on Aresius, so I'm going to take first player. So, Aresius, what are your objectives? So, Oh! <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's breaking news. Heck yeah. I'm, I'm binding that. Okay? I'm, binding. I'm, I'm, I'm being bound here. Um, but, yeah, it's. I, I think we could each – like, I feel like I could table him, and I certainly feels like he could table me for sure. Uh, I, I don't know how it'll go. It'll probably uh, – I don't know, but it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. In that same vein, Fox, I was looking at your game with uh, Real Veers with quite quite a bit of interest, mainly because like Real Veers' fleet of Riken MSU, I want to see how it does against the CIS. Like Riken MSU is kind of you know like an older fleet. You know, it's it's very similar to kind of like Nathan Coda. It's you know uh, what what he flew at Worlds. It's an MC30, two or two CR90s, couple of Gazanis, five five activations, one thirty four. Right, like we all kind of know how to, you know how what it does. But what does it do against your fleet? Right against against the new CIS and the and the fire the ship firepower. So I, I am I'm going to tune in for that one. Yeah, not only that, but like um, separatist squads are just so unique in how they apply damage and explode very rapidly so it's going to be interesting it it's always fun to play it's what i've enjoyed most about exploring heavy squad separatists is a lot of people just aren't ready i know veers is for sure he flew trench for a while so he knows trench squads so he knows what separatist squads can do it's just going to be yeah i'm excited to see what happens he's obviously of a high pedigree 
So, um, yeah, we'll find out. Kellorn, what do you think? Kellorn? Sorry about that. I, I had double muted myself on accident. Uh, the one that I'm interested in, in is our number one seed versus our number 42 seed and, you know, geek versus Xantos. And what I'm really interested in is, um, you know, the fact that, you know, Xantos has been playing, you know, essentially your a copy of your original Dooku fleet Fox and, and playing it well. And he kind of squeaked into, uh, into Swiss with the lowest, uh, lowest score, but it, I, I'm interested to see how it deals with Bale because it feels like that Bale is like the natural antithesis to Dooku. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he deals with that and how, and, and if, if geek can take advantage of that, like he did against all the other assault, the people that he played in, in the, the pop phase. The, the, yeah, the, the thing with Dooku is you, you really want to use his raids often for positioning and to like prevent your opponent from doing too much with their navigation commands. And when Bale offers free navigate commands just at will, uh, whenever, uh, of course he only has five, so there's a limit there, but also Dooku only has three rounds of raid. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It's definitely some of the tougher matchups that I've ever faced as a Dooku player, but I mean, Xantos absolutely crushed it in indoor. And like you said, he made it to Swiss here. So it's going to be, it's going to be a super interesting matchup for sure. So the, and then the other one that I was interested in was Garrett versus Paul. And, and the reason I'm interested in this one is that it's tank versus tank. You've got, uh, you've got Riken versus Madi. And I'm really curious to see how Madi deals with Riken. Cause I feel like that one's going to be just like a, who can outlast the other one type of fight? And it should be really interesting. Yeah, well, you would think with Paul, Paul has uh, gunnery teams on both that victory and the ISD. And so that's dangerous for Riken because the last thing you want is for multiples of your pieces disappearing simultaneously. So yeah, it could be really, really bad for Garrett. Also, it could be very, very bad for paul if if garrett is able to position properly so yeah that's going to be a super exciting one well with that let's move into a discussion revolving around our guests fleet of choice for the vassal world cup mr becker you are flying a superstar destroyer and a lot of people are to be frank naysayers of the big behemoth that is the Superstar Destroyer. So I want to have a conversation about where this comes from because all three Superstar Destroyers that participated in the pod phase fully made it. You, Elred, and Dark Raver uh, all advanced. You and Elred have, have very, very similar fleets. I believe it's only one upgrade that you guys have different. And then... Dark Raver has a classic Ravager with the Gazanti and two Interceptors. So there are two different styles of, of SSD going on here. But what's what's going on? 100% of the SSDs that played made it through. What's what's the hullabaloo? What's going on? I, I still don't really know. I, I don't know why we're having the success we're having. Um, you know, 
Elred and I have been developing this together. Um, I'll just let everybody know that. Um, it, it all started um, the SSD Onager from Chivalry, who said somewhere on Discord that he thought the uh, command prototype was the worst ship in you know uh, in the game. I think somewhere along the lines he said something like that, and so I was like, you know what? I just don't think it's that bad, and I didn't like the fact that you know they could release a two hundred dollar model and it not be good. You know, I, I just was like, I need to, like, I want it to be good. It's really cool. It's a great looking model. And so I just thought there might be something there in the command prototype because with the assault, you know, it's good. It can catch people off guard, but it really is, you know, we you load up the, you load up the assault SSD and it, you just make it this firepower behemoth, but you can do a little bit more interesting stuff with the command. Um, and so I fooled around with, uh, pairing it with an interdictor. I paired it with a kuat. It, it fits. You can, you can fit a kuat and an SSD in the same fleet. It's really fun. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> I try it, it fits. Um, but then I kind of settled on the Onager, did a couple of, um, you know, practice games and took it to the TTS, uh, championships in the battle of Endor. Um, and you know, did well with it there. And it, there's kind of like two components to it. One is that this version actually, I think, has more firepower than the Assault because you have a whole other Onager shot to go with, um, you know, the SSD. But the the really the fun thing is the co- to figure out is the officer combinations is kind of like the most fun thing that we've, we've done is, and I've worked with Elrod, Elred in this, is figuring out um, there's mainly like defensive officers. So there's like Palpatine, uh, EST, Brunson, Nita, um, all of those together working together are a lot of fun and, and create like a very tanky ship. So I have questions. I have questions. Y'all have answers. And the yay, rookie 30. Uh, question number one um, Fox, uh, Paul, w- w- didn't, weren't y'all one of the naysayers on the SSD making it through? No. No, in no, fact, not in, at all. Like we in, in if you go back take, and listen, Paul, we were the ones. In the hot take, Paul said that two would make it. At least two would make it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I think I, I got that one. Got that one okay, down okay. pat. Okay. I, I guess I, I, you know, Becker, you and I, have, I've played against that fleet. You played it against my, my farm hawk at, at one point, and uh, and that was that was a very close shave that. I mean, a few dice rolls one way or the other would have changed that, you know, quite substantially. Um, you know, it's a tough fleet. It's a lot of beef to get through, even though that, you know, that that onager isn't, you know, isn't that tough because of the way you have the way you have it set up. But it's sitting behind the SSD. What are you going to do? Like, how are you going to you have to get past an SSD to even have a chance to shoot at it? So and then plus the fact that, you know, shooting through the SSD nets you an extra red. I mean, it's 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 a brutal fleet. Um, you know, so, and it's, it's one of those things where like, I feel like if you have the ability to do enough chip damage to the, to the SSD, you know, the SSD can have a bad day. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys did well with it. I, it, I guess I, I'm, I'm curious on your take of whether or not you think it's a fleet that can make like a top table late in a tournament, or if it's more of like a roadblock kind of fleet that people have to respect. Um, I, I, you know, I've. I think it's a, it can, it can make the top table. And so 
in Endor, we had the Silver League, and and I didn't make it out of pod phase despite going two and one. I got I got put into Silver League, which was the second league, but it was still thirty two players, and I wound it up. I wound up on the on number two in in that whole you know regular four round Swiss tournament uh, at the top table. So I I think it can it can work. And and one thing I kind of forgot that's that's interesting is it has boarding troopers, which is very different, um, and. Boarding Troopers, Onager, and SSD play with the geography of the board in a very interesting way and what is controlled. So, like, the double-click with the SSD that you can do, even with Romani as its admiral, which which you don't usually see much, um, puts and surprises people into – gets them into Boarding Trooper range. And you can start – you know, once you, once you get there, you can start nuking their tokens. So it just – I found it. I think it surprises some people and plays with the geography of the board differently. That you know, it's not certainly an S tier fleet, but you know, my goal was to make a competitive SSD fleet, and I think it's competitive. So then I, I mean, got I, an extra. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> now go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I got questions. I, I mean, I I I still believe that the Ravager fleet is a competitive fleet. Like if you want to load up a Ravager and go at it, I think that, you know, a good player is still going to be able to make that work. Um, So, and I've played it in a couple of smaller tournaments. It's not really something that I've been kind of playing around with other things because I've been trying to focus more on squads. And while I've tried to pair squads with the SSD, like none of those combinations ever worked out satisfactorily to me. Uh, Maybe you had some, some different experiences, Becker, that you can can touch on. I have no successful experiences. <laughs> so uh, the the most success I had was actually a um uh the is it Beck Beck and Piet uh that that was the most exper- uh the most success that I had but even that was pretty tough to make work um but that being said like you know the Ravager is st- build is still can be very very deadly uh but you know this idea of pairing it with another ship that you know that you, you should, it doesn't feel like you should be able to take both of them at 400 points it it's brutal yeah it it's it it's a quite a bit of firepower and and to to kind of piggyback on your ravager you know take i absolutely agree i, I think ravager is still is still good it's still useful it'll it'll find good matchups it's just does it's not my i've flown it and it doesn't work for me and i, I think all my eggs in one basket is a difficult thing for me and my play style to fly. So I had to kind of adjust and and play with a whole bunch of different different concepts, whether it's a kuat with an SSD or whatnot, which I still think there's value there. I think there's something there in the kuat, but I'll leave that for someone else to figure out. So I just got I gotta I don't know if I'm allowed to ask these questions because you're still knee deep in the tourney. Uh so w- with your big beautiful SSD, the big behemoth of a ship that you just kind of slap on the table. Uh what fleet are you actually dreading going against? Is there a fleet that you just see that you're like, if I go against this, this is just going to ruin my whole day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't like the CIS fleets, and there's quite a bit of uh, players with them. Um, the if there, A lot of ship firepower fleets um, are tough, uh, uh, are, are difficult, and can take down. Like I, My fleet can easily get tabled. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of beef, but like, the Onager and the SSD can each get overwhelmed individually. So I fear the CIS fleets probably more than any other fleets just because it's the magnitude of firepower. It's easy double arcs. Um, and so if I, if I roll bad or if I, if I can't delete a ship, uh, I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. 
I feel I fear them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, from personal perspective on the SSDs, I don't mm, mm, playing against them. I don't feel like they are. How do I put this in the words? Jeez, me and words have not been getting along for the past week. God forgive me, everybody. Uh, yeah, I don't get why they have been kind of just like, oh, you know, SSDs aren't going to. No, SSDs are SSDs. Those things are behemoths and evil and villainous and too much too much fat to freaking chew on. Now, do I expect all three to get through personally? No. <laughs> but, hey, we all, uh, we all make mistakes, especially Paul. Paul makes a lot of mistakes, especially in his food choices. Anyways, I'm going to give the floor back to Fox. <laughs> Just, Man, just jab that that thing in the back there, G. <laughs> Real fast, gonna stab and run, stab and run. God dang. Um, yeah, I think what is important. Kellen and I have talked about this a lot because we have several people in our local meta, Kellen included, that like to pop out the SSD every once in a while and surprise people. And what? we found is the superstar destroyer ends up being in my opinion the gatekeeper that in armada it's really really easy that it's really easy in your fleet building to go down this road where your ships get more and more um delicate or they have more and more finesse or they have more and more uh, they, they don't have a lot of staying power separatists are are guilty of this actually like if a lot of people tend towards that uh, keller and i i remember that triple recusant fleet that uh, michael was flying at that one local tournament like we oh yeah that ran into my ssd it was like bugs on the windshield it was is, ridiculous yeah, it, it's a perfect example of what i'm talking about like triple recusant it seems like it would be such a good fleet but if the Superstar Destroyer, a, a well-upgraded assault uh, class or uh, assault prototype, it can absolutely delete a Recusant in one activation. And Kellorn was able to delete like one and 90% of another one in one activation. It was, wasn't even close. So I think a lot of people shoo away Superstar Destroyers as something that like, oh, only a player who's just not good at the game would lose to that. But the reality is, if you look through all the Vassar World Cup fleets, there are some that tend towards delicate and obviously grew in a meta or were constructed in a meta where it was like superstar stories just weren't prevalent. Yeah, if, if you're a good enough player, you know the strategy around uh, destroying a superstar destroyer. But often if your ships just don't handle it or can't handle it, uh, especially the way you've got your setup, Becker, like like you were saying with uh, with the boarding troopers and all that jazz, it's it's a tough ask for a lot of delicate finesse fleets to address it. You know, yeah. So from from my last game with with Dave, um, he just as an illustration of what what it can do, and it's really the combinations that of the officers that you can put on there because it's the only ship that you can put three officers on, right? So you can really, really do some really fun stuff. So I boarding trooper his MC-80, which was double arced against the SSD. Normally, that's not a good spot, right? So I boarding trooper, exhausted all four of his defense tokens, you know, shot him, whatnot. Um, but then it's his turn to shoot, right? But because I have Emperor Palpatine on there, 
That's two two defense tokens that he has to just get rid of and discard if he wants to just even shoot me. And then if you have no tokens, like you're you're a dead MC80. So, but he opted not to take the shot because he didn't want to lose the tokens, which I think was a, certainly the right call. Um, it's just like kind of interesting things that you don't like. There's not a lot of ships that that you have to run into that analysis, you know. So I guess one of the things that I, I kind of noticed about your your particular fleet and and SSDs in general, Becker, is like they do well against you know ships that are that want that um they do well against things that are kind of like I want to stay on the board through upgrades. So you know like shooting at ISDs and uh, and things like that. They they do you, they they actually are pretty vulnerable to getting hit by the SSD, whereas you know, when you start dealing with a whole lot of like fast little things, it can be a little bit more difficult if, because it's, they changed the SSD to only be able to have two shots instead of three with gunnery teams. I find that if you can overload one aspect of an SSD, like with a bunch of small ships, like that's kind of the answer. Uh, if you ha- are kind of running those fleets, but man, like if if you're like, oh, I've got a my I've got my tanky boys, my Mahdi fleet. The SSGs just like, no, nah, I'm just gonna shoot you, and I don't care. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely, that you nailed it. Like the way to beat the SSD is to put all your stuff in the same arc, you know. Um, and it's that is that's a tough call to make, though, you know, like because if because if your dice don't go your way, you're gonna get blown up. But it's 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 not hard to take an SSD down when you concentrate the fire you know, 400 points of your whole fleet concentrating on, it'll, it will go down. And so like my two games from pod phase, um, you know, that I won, um, my opponents came at me kind of piecemeal. Um, whereas geek was able to coordinate his strikes on, on me and, you know, really took, the, took my SSC down and followed up with a quick kill of, of the onager as well. So it really is, you got to go all in and, and just kind of hold on to your butt. Uh, but you're probably going to win if you go all in against the SSD. But then, I mean, you have to make sure that the onager doesn't kill you from the surprise butt sex. It's just hanging out, just hanging out in the back. And uh, I, I like uh, Raquel has really helped me this tournament, um, which was a new addition to to, to the fleet. Um, a, a big fan of that. Raquel is such an interesting card. Like it's one of the most interesting upgrades in the game. And maybe we'll spend some time talking about, you know, kind of how to use it at some point. But yeah. Really love that card, but it's, it's, yeah, I, I do feel it's a little, a little underutilized. You're not going to slide by surprise butt sex <laughs> and act like nothing happened. <laughs> and no, we can't say that, but this, this entire freaking, nah, this, this was demonetized. Anyways, moving on to, bye. Well, uh, do we have any closing statements, any closing remarks, any closing, uh, closings? No closing no. closings. No. No closing time. No. Only me. Okay, I like that song. Anyways, we're going into finish your finish your whiskey or beer. Thank you. Thank somebody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, moving into my favorite section. Hot take thirty. I couldn't think of a good little segue into it. So yeah, this is just how we're going to do a cohorn. Uh, removing strategic doesn't even invalidate the token objectives just makes them play differently in fact uh they would be used more uh hot take not a hot take lukewarm mild this is a pretty hot take uh, so here, here's the thing of that having played with some of these objectives you know 
fire lanes is, is one that you can take and, and have in theory, fire lanes can be played, you know, and not have such a strategic strategic just makes it very dangerous for your opponent because you can then shove those tokens underneath the, the enemy enemy's ship, but you can theoretically play strategic or fire lanes without strategic. So yeah, that would probably get played more if strategic didn't exist because you could not take strategic and, and your, uh, and your opponent couldn't take it either. But sensor net, which is the other one that strategic is used for with a lot you literally cannot play that particular objective without strategic. There's just no way. Like as soon as you, like, no matter what you would do, your opponent would toss the tokens the other way and it would completely invalidate the objective uh, without strategic. So, you know, I think that there's some truth to this in, in for certain objectives, but there, those objectives were created with strategic in mind there's no question in my mind that when they were putting those objectives in the game strategic existed in their lexicon of the of what was coming in the game because otherwise the uh, several of those objectives just don't make sense so i pretty strongly disagree with this i I think that there's a push to remove uh, strategic because you know like myself and some others you know brought the farm hack back and we're and we're kind of abusing it in some people's eyes and they the people didn't like it uh i the only part of strategic that i really don't like has to do with morallo but that's kind of a whole another can of worms that i don't want to get into but in my mind i don't think you can really move strategic from the game and have those objectives remain viable if that's that simple uh, give the man an inch he takes like 30 miles fox What's your take on this take? Um, Kellorn's just wrong. So, sensor net is that take is fired. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Actually, I'm good. I'm, yeah, that was that was good. No, sensor net is totally playable. Sensor net is totally playable. You're forgetting that you have other tokens going distance four towards your fleet because you're moving them towards you. Like it balances out. So. I uh, yeah, I don't think so. I th- I think those objectives. I don't think they'd see more play, but they would see play. A fire lanes with the separatist fleet is fun because you've got so many red dice going in all directions. Like your opponent really has to push to compete. Like so, I don't know, man. I don't know. Becker, what's your take on the take? I'm with Kalorn on this. You're you're, you're you take out strategic. You're not going to see people taking fire lanes or sensor neck because they don't do it anyway if they don't have strategic, right? I know the fear is that I'll encounter, you know, a, someone that does bring it and then I'll be I'll be done. But I just don't I just don't see it happening. I, I wouldn't mind seeing those objectives lose like about five points to kind of you know for each score to kind of you know de supercharge them. Um, that's kind of what I'd like to see. But yeah, no one's taking it if you get rid of strategic, which may not be a bad thing. I, I, the other thing I want to, yeah, I just one last thing about these objectives is, you know, there's a lot of hay made of, of them, but you really need to have a plan going in to make these objectives work. And you know, Fox played against uh, w- uh, which was it Red Scourge Fox that you played the the heart correct, the yeah. So Fox played against Red Scourge, and and the, and Fox picked SensorNet, and I think it was you know. It was really at least reasonably apparent to me that Red Scourge didn't have a ton of experience playing SensorNet with that particular fleet because he chose to kind of fly at Fox and not sit in the back and kind of just farm and make Fox come to him. And 
by in the way that that turned out, Fox is right. The tokens that were being used were uh, was it, were able to be moved toward the 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 per, the, the second player, and the, the the fox wasn't able to move the other tokens far enough away for it to matter. But a lot of that, if you go in and you have a plan, you like you can't go in and into those objectives and not have a plan because you will just end up with a mess, and it's a lot easier to lose that way. So moving on to Becker. And that too, even I got a take on this one. Uh, both players can play correctly, and there still be a eight three, a nine two, or a ten one. Is that a hot take, or is that just absolutely? The wrong truth? It, it, absolutely, <laughs> it's true. I, I don't. I'm surprised this was a hot take because uh, it's a dice game, right? Like you can uh, ultimately, like you can fly correctly, and and the dice don't treat you well. You know, like it. That's happens. That's okay, and and you know. I think we've all had games, right, where we feel like we did the best thing, we did everything we could, and we still got brutalized. So, you know, I, I think we that that seems totally normal to me. That's in line with my experience. Dang, you took what I was actually going to say. Is, is yeah, it's a freaking dice game. Like you, you could fly a perfect match and still just get annihilated because your dice decided that today is the day that they want to go on union strike. Anyways, Fox, Kalorn, y'all got one for this one? Because I, I don't, if someone has something opposite to this, I'd be shocked. I think, oh man, the only person that I've ever met that makes me feel close to what you guys are describing is Ryan Rhodes, a local player of ours who clearly has had a deal with the devil with his red dice because he has rolled eight damage out of the front of a hard cell on me and it just absolutely obliterated a demolisher as it was approaching. And it should have been fine. It should have been totally fine. But somehow this demon pact that he had uh, with Beelzebub allowed this ship to blow up mine and... That has been the only time that I felt like dice has had a significant factor. If you've got a plan and you you can work around that plan, often dice don't do that much. It's the players that have the huge dice pools. I will say this, and I know this might be triggering for Becker and Kalorn, but it's the players who play with giant dice pools that feel like the dice swing one way or the other and determine winners. So, I'm calling you guys so, out. So, Kalorn, K- K- Kalorn, what's your opinion? And tell me why Fox is wrong. <laughs> oh no, Boo. whiskey, whiskey, whiskey! You are absolutely full of shit on this one. No, no, I'm, I'm throwing it down right now. If if you are playing a game and and your dice are what is wrong, you flew the game wrong. Like it's that simple. Um, you know, that, that, so that, that and, phrasing doesn't even make sense, but I hear where you're trying to go with it. <laughs> well, so if, if you are in a position where the dice matter for you to live or die, you didn't fly it right. And I'm not saying I fly perfectly. I have ended up in plenty of situations where my ship died or didn't die due to dice. I'm not saying I'm a perfect player, but I recognize that if I had played better, that those dice would not have mattered. If you are going to get a nine, how, 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 hold on, stop, freeze, pull back, reverse. How do the dice not matter when the dice are the core part of the game? <laughs> you can fly di- as perfect okay. as you I, want. To. I, I am going, dice- I'm going to look, I'm going to pull this out from Fox. 
if you have a proper damage application plan that plays to the averages of what those oh dice are. Oh my god, the dap. <laughs> He's pulled out the dap. He's lost. Your dice do not fix these pulling out the dap. <laughs> Please pulled out the dap. I, I just Fine. I just watched Fine. Fox. I have relent. A <laughs> he just popped out a full he popped out a unicorn. He was just there. The Lord said uh, dice application plan. Oh my god. <laughs> I fell down. I fell down fully. <laughs> now, hey, so I think the operative word here is correctly. I think that's what it's that's what's important is when like you can choose it is hard for players, especially early players, to determine what flying correctly looks like. So it's gonna feel like a lot of the time that when you play, dice is going to determine a lot, you know, and that's it, it. Also, is true for for really high level players, but they're making that choice, right? Like Kellorn, when when you fly the the when you fly a superstar destroyer, or Becker, your superstar destroyer, or your Onager that only has like vet gunners on it, right? You're actively making a choice. That like, okay, I may only have two shots on this thing and it's going to be big old dice pools. So like, that's a thing that you've actively chosen, you know, in your fleet design. But like Kellorn's well, saying... Have to look at the, like, I, I've, 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 I've been using SW7s precisely because of that. Because I don't trust big dice pools. And, and, and like, I've gotten to the point where exactly what you're talking about, Fox, is like, I don't trust big dice pools anymore. I still like using them, but I take cards that mitigate them because I've gotten so tired of it. Right. And there are tons of great players that still use big dice pools. Um, so like, and I think that's the thing is that's why we're seeing this insert, this resurgence of MSU is like the game has become less about like dice luck. And it's, if you're doing one damage 15 times, screw the other person's defense tokens. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to matter. Uh, it's when you need to land 10 damage twice in a round that it starts to feel like, dang, the dice are swingy. Whiskey, your Gar fleets are like that, man. Like, you got two big front arcs that you need to land, and when they don't hey, roll hey. hot, like, it sucks, right? Hey, 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 hey. You don't talk about Gar saying. I'm just saying. All right? We don't talk about Oscar the Grouch. All right? We <laughs> let him handle his business. I handle mine. All right, we're going to move on to the last topic. By the way, yes. Yes, I have relented. They win this argument. I got I got nothing. <laughs> Anyways, last one. And this one is specifically for Fox, but let's as this is the floor is open. Uh do spiders get a bad reputation? Fox, what do you think? I think American spiders or spiders that aren't in Australia get a really bad rap. I also think at times Australian spiders get a bad rap. Like all you hear about is Australian spiders that like ate a moose and then got on a plane. Wait, hold on. A plane to Wait, get, hold on. Why? Flew back to Australia with their now moose blood running through their veins and like taking over a town. Like that's all you hear about with Australian <laughs> spiders. But they serve an actual purpose and it's to murder people to death. So. <laughs> I don't know. We got to give spiders the respect they deserve. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. This is is, is not where I was expecting that to go. Becker, how do you, do you think spiders get a bad reputation? I I got a confession to make. I am 
quite scared of spiders. And it's based on this urban myth that you swallow four spiders in your sleep every night or every year. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it was every yeah. night, I was going to freak out. So I grew up with that. Right? I thought <laughs> that was real. I, and I just Googled it and it's a total myth. So I feel like a total fool. Um, but until this very moment, I believe that. And so I think that's the core of my uh, distrust of spiders. Um, so I got a lot of different feelings going on right now. A lot of different emotions. <laughs> look, 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 look. There's only one right moment. answer here. There's only one right answer here, and that is Fook spiders. I hate these things, okay? They freak me out. Like, if they crawl on you, they've got all the little legs that dig into your skin. They absolutely <laughs> drive me nuts. your skin? What kind of spiders? Dude, how do you think the spiders work? Like, and you think that they just kind of prance up your dang skin and be like, oh, I'm just going to be don't here. No, you have to put, these, oh put pieces of their legs into your skin to crawl up you. F that noise i am done with spiders they get smashed they get put in toilet paper and they get flushed down the toilet and that's it we're done how do you think spiders work what does that even mean (laughs) i don't even care if i'm right or not fuck spiders so i think we literally have the full range of emotions on this one because for me you know spiders they get a bad rap but no if i see a spider and it stays in its corner. It's cool. Stay over there. Kill bugs. You know, do your th- do your spider thing. That's your space of the house now. And just stay over there. And like one of my battle buddies said back in the army, if I look away and turn back and you're gone, I'm going to destroy everything until I find you and squish you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you ate it. Maybe you ate so- it like Becker was talking about. No, I, I, man, I've heard like, that. I've literally, heard that one. I- I'm not kidding. The the spider in uh, Return of the King was an actual traumatic experience for me because it freaked me out so bad. Dude, what? The big one that's like impossibly large that yeah, probably no, ate a moose? Out. It, well, dude, it, it freaked me out. How does that spider not like, is that not inherently terrifying? Like, that's the whole point of that. Like it's terrifying. Fuck oh, spiders, I think we were like dude. around the same age, Paul. Like, a... did you did you see arachnophobia when it came out? Because I I would never even go anywhere within ten miles of a movie called Arachnophobia. <laughs> Are you fucking shitting me? Like seriously, <laughs> spiders freak me out. Oh, we did a cord. I literally I make I my wife kill spiders because I can't do it. <laughs> oh, we had a cord. I should laugh at you. I, I, I think we I think we found one of the gold ones. So oh, this no, is how you please, please. Like no shit. <laughs> what happens, Becker? Becker, can you describe in vague detail what happens in arachnophobia? I'm interested. Okay, I no no we're done. Okay, we're <laughs> oh, done. No, 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 no. I will I will end this show right now if you go anywhere near that. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't ready. Let the man speak. I, 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 this, this was like a soft. <laughs> This, like I'm not kidding. Like, this is like an actual phobia for me, man. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god! So please, please, in all seriousness, please, Clorn is stating that this is a serious fear of his. His. So don't mess with him. Like I know we all like to joke, joke, <laughs> hee hee, ha ha, but don't be doing the spider shenanigans. That's healthy. Know your fears. <laughs>
I'm in tears. Oh my like, god! There is only one thing that I am more afraid of than spiders and bugs in general, and that's heights. Like, oh, heights. you put me on a cliff or on a ladder, I will literally about piss my pants. I'm not even kidding, dude. Well, all, there went the, all there went of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> literally, all of Lord of the Rings, like all three movies, the original ones, are just them being up high. Or encountering spiders. No, no, or... no. I can I can watch movies where people do that crap, but man, like I will I will get sick to my stomach in a video game when I jump off a ledge. I'm not even kidding. So I will back get to vertigo from jumping off a ledge in a video game. Oh my god. Okay, we gotta wrap it here. We're way over time. <laughs> this was the Armada Podcast. We're gonna do the little outro thing. Before we leave, Becker, you had a specific shout out you wanted to do. You have something special for the Armada community. Can you uh, give them the brief yeah. rundown and a uh, link? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for letting me do it. I really appreciate it. I have, uh, I'm kind of taking the leap, and I, and I might fail, and, and, and that's okay, but I'm going to start my own Etsy shop for T-shirts uh, that are kind of like Armada-themed. It's called Armada Tabletop uh, Shirts. Uh, you can go check it out. Just type in the name. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, it's it's a new venture for me. I'm, nice. So Armada Tabletop Shirts. So thanks for letting me do it. It's, it should be ready to go in a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm working hard on it. So this is the kind of the first plug to the community. Oh, dude, that's awesome. So most definitely keep an eye out. Remember, folks, this is a community. So let's help each other out. Go to his webpage. Buy his shirts. Hey, what was that uh, phrase saying that you said you were going to put on one of them? Um, I got a whole bunch, but... Um, you know, if your game doesn't have defense tokens, then I don't want to play it. <laughs> it's true. Imagine, it's I would true. buy that imagine. and take it to an X-Wing tournament. I'm not even kidding. I was about to say, imagine walking around your local shop with that shirt on and just staring <laughs> at people coldly the whole time. It's beautiful. It's, 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 I love it. Anyways, that wraps up the Armada Podcast. We will be back next week where we will be covering the beginning. I guess this guy we've already begun, but the beginning of the Swiss rounds in the Vassal World Cup. We don't know who we'll have on, but we'll have someone on. We always do. Thank you for listening. And always remember, folks, fly safe. Thank you for listening to the Armada Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Armada Podcast. Join us on Discord with the link in the show notes. Until next time.